hey. She's in love with who I am. Back in high school, I used to bust it to the dance. Now I hit the FBO with duffels in my hands. I did half a Zan, 13 hours till I land. Had me out like a light, hey, yeah. like a light, hey, yeah. like a light. Hey. Slept through the flight. Hey. All right, we're back again, live from Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? And welcome back to How You Living, the one and only podcast live from the Chaz Tower in the Million Dollar Studio, answering the forever question and directed at first at you, Chaz. How you living? You know, I've been living well, living well. Just started a new job, so that's been great. Uh, yeah, I've been lunching on, you know, being a part of the political thing, and it had to happen right when midterms and stuff were happening, when I wanted to be there for y'all. Uh, but, you know, when we're coming off of this midterms, you know, feeling good, taking back the house and all that, so kind of was a good time to think back and see what uh, How You Living needs to do next and all of this jazz. Oh, oh, applause, applause. Applause for your uh, your job as well as the uh, the house statement. <coughs> Just am. Uh, but that's right, guys. We haven't seen you since right around Halloween. And uh, we're back now to uh, talk post-election 2018. Yeah. Uh, blue tsunami, not so much. But, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, a ripple to a wave indeed. Uh, changes were made in D.C., and uh, some real tight governor races that would yeah. have been like huge surprises. Florida and Georgia, seemingly at this point, heading to the uh, the Republican hands, but uh, very t- close elections in those states. And then, mm-hmm. of course, uh, Beto in Texas. Oh yeah, Beto O'Rourke uh, gave uh, gave a real good run at Cruz's seat. So there were some some losses taken by the Dems, but. Uh, bunch of governorships that uh were never democrat in the last 30 years went over to democrats uh we of course got um the youngest uh house representative coming out of new york yeah alexandria ocasio cortez yeah and uh and you know it was uh it was an interesting time i guess uh to start off our show we always like to go to a, a little segment we call callbacks callbacks and it's just where we look back over episodes and topics we've talked about and so i guess uh kind of the start off lead into what we're already talking about um the build-up of the dims over the last two years you know the life of this podcast uh this would be right in the range of when we started <clears throat> i think it's december like 15th yeah so we're like a month away from our two-year anniversary and uh and basically the the entire rise of trump has been the story of our podcast yeah for sure from day one that was that's the the headline and so uh midterms were of course a day i mean if we go back and listened or had like a clip show i'm sure we're talking about this day in 2018 Mm -hmm. as as an opportunity to take back some of the power um that was lost back in 2016. and uh with that what what do you think of the results so far what are some highlights of it that you see from what we were talking about two years ago to what victories we, we came through with? Um, I think the big one is that a house can do a lot of the investigations that everyone wanted at the beginning, like into his taxes, into emoluments, clauses, and everything like that. I also think the house uh, being democratic and especially like it, it there, there will be a good time to one talk about like the neoliberal progressive pushback that's happening and, kind of getting people on the side of hopefully progressive issues um, on the Democratic side. So you know, we can at least take um, 
bills and pass them to the Senate and then have the Senate go, no, we're not passing that. Right. Just like right. because because if you like we have good ideas and the, the American people think these are good ideas, why aren't you supporting them? And that can because this is like it, it wasn't as big as a blue wave as maybe we would have wanted. But I'm not disappointed with the results. No. But ultimately, I want them to use this as a stepping stone to further show the arrogance and hypocrisy of the Republican Party as it is now to take back even more power in 2020. And uh, with that, I want to add that the uh, the governorships was something that I was kind of telling people to keep an eye on Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, go local. One of the ways you can go local is to focus on your leadership at your state level. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I was really happy with the Democratic results there. Um, the current governor count is 23 Democrats to 27 Republicans. Oh, that's a good spread. In our fair union. And it's probably the closest the margin's been uh, since Republicans started taking over governorships in kind of the early 70s um, and just kind of sweeping through. Yeah. It's always been kind of a Republican role. Um, and so I, I like that. I like the movement of um, the the grassroots campaigns and things that were – we're, we're using and we're successful in certain spots and you know weren't as successful in Georgia and Florida but the there's something symbolic about those two races with Abrams almost being elected the first black female governor of Georgia that mm-hmm. would have been like the the hugest story out of this and of course there are still some recount discussions going on but from what I've heard recently it's it's probably Kemp who's going to take over there and then in Florida, the count didn't end up being as close as they wanted, so DeSantis comes yeah comes over through with that. But uh, but we we, we we put up some good fights and uh, and just to kind of list off, you know, Oregon stayed blue, California stayed blue, Colorado went blue, New Mexico went blue, Minnesota went blue, and Illinois went blue. So oh, wow, that those are some key states to go blue in. Yeah. Those are like Colorado going blue again. They can definitely do more progressive stuff. They can probably re not remodel but like redesign their their weed program because there are some flaws in it. I can't remember the specifics, but well, they'll definitely have a partnership in the leadership with the uh the election of the Democratic governor. Um but obviously it's still a purple state in the in the split in its own uh leadership as far as the legislature Mm -hmm. so it might be a little more difficult still with that but having uh colorado is definitely a lead at the top type state they definitely eventually you know kind of go with where the 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 money and the governorships are going and so i think over time we're gonna see uh, a larger blue population kind of moving into the the more conservative rural areas Mm -hmm. you know that still have um you know, certain upsides, like they're good for skiing during the winter or, <laughs> or certain areas are like scenic or certain areas are like closer to other states and borders and things. So, uh, you know, you're going to see eventually commerce and things move into those areas and the kind of democratic ideals that we were just talking about uh, will come through and uh, and make more sense to the people that are voting honestly. And and I and I do want to say I was right if I mentioned before that uh, – uh, the midterms still had a low turnout, and it infuriates me to this day that even when we talk about that it had a quote-unquote higher turnout, it still is in, like, the mid-50s nationwide. Mm-hmm. And here in Washington, there were multiple counties that had less than 30% turnout. So, uh, Oh, even for mail-in? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's because, yeah, it's weird. And so, um, basically, I just want to say 
continue to go out and vote. Tell everyone to vote. Like, like we need the next election to actually make sense that most of the population votes. And we can actually mm-hmm. get an idea of these people's opinions and really kind of mold this country in the way we want. The lack of, like, ownership of your, your vote, basically, it just allows other people more votes. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're, you're diluting what, what can be a, a larger pool. So... We'll uh, we'll see what happens. 2020, obviously, is the next calendar date that we circle and probably the 2019 buildup of campaigns. Um, yeah. Obviously, I've heard rumors that <coughs> Hillary is in the race again. Yeah, those are she's she said publicly like she isn't. That's just that's that's just conservative propaganda. And then I also heard, you know, because the Internet's in love with uh Beto, Beto O'Rourke. So he's he's like in the in that kind of seat. Obviously, Bernie's a factor. Uh, you know, I always enjoy Joe Biden. I like that he's from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm lukewarm to Joe Biden. I enjoy Joe. Joe Joe's my guy. I wanted Joe to run. In from from a personality standpoint, I feel you. From a policy standpoint, nah. He's pretty solid on policy. I mean, he's he's blue collar, so he you know. He stands by uh, both unions on the Democratic side to have high-paying jobs in certain areas, and then he also stands on, like, you know, working wage that people can uh, afford their way of life, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he served as a senator for, like, 36 years or something. If he was on the ticket, uh, I would need him to have a progressive vice president, or it's still a no. Like, I definitely want... I don't even think I want Bernie anymore. Like, sure, Bernie's cool, but he's old. All right. So I think there's I'm probably more I'm leaning towards Kamala Harris more than anything. Maybe Cory Booker. But Kamala Harris seems to be in line and maybe Elizabeth Warren. So, yeah, I'm definitely more into Kamala Harris because I feel like she'll be progressive. And if if we're going to give it's not just wages that needs looking at, but student debt and probably student debt forgiveness. And that being a big thing that comes down the line. So, you know, the young adults can actually save money. Right. And, right? right. So and actually, you know, build the economy more. And also not I don't think we're at a point where UBI is necessary. Like, but I definitely think they're the type of uh, folks that would be in line with trying some things out and seeing where it goes. And also thinking uh, more progressively about how we tax different businesses especially as more and more things get automated. Uh, I, I think, like, thinking about those things, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously automation needs to become kind of a, a part of the study. Like, mm-hmm. when you're when you're growing up, you should learn how to manipulate robots and be, you know, higher tech from the beginning, you know. That should be kind of, like, in our mindset that we're going to be not doing the manual labor soon. And the people that are mindful of that change can at least still be employed or have some type of value added if they come up with new ideas or innovations in those in those areas. So I think that's kind of what we're going to see in that um, once there's a real push that automation can can ultimately uh, replace a lot of <laughs> workers. I mean, you 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 almost just have to, as a society, keep the worker at work. You know, like if uh, the more even with robots replacing, we're just going to have to think outside the box how we want to continue to employ people because people need to work. And you don't want like a workers revolt type situation going on. Like, 
I'm sure was uh, people don't necessarily need to work; they just need money. Y- yeah, but but wor- they work to get money. Right. Exactly. And and, and the and whole point of UBI is to say if you know menial jobs are getting taken away because of automation, you use that in increase productivity to tax it and give those taxes back to the people. What's the UBI? Universal basic income. Basic income. Okay. So, yeah. Well, I I mean that's that's just one element of the theory. I also think ultimately people want to work to a degree. People people find trades to to some level and, you know, I I think there's going to be that continued desire. So, I think if you're a society like psychologically as as a person, we have this kind of sense of duty or this sense of like, like we need to like put something out there in the world. And that's kind of why everyone seeks different areas of jobs and everything. So as automation occurs, you still have to kind of look at it on a psychological level. If people need to go to work, then you need to find ways that people can go to work. Well, I mean, I wouldn't, I think framing it as just work is a little myopic because I think people need to have a purpose and work does give people a purpose, and sometimes they like the purpose, and sometimes they can say "go fuck itself." Sometimes but it's the means to the end, though. Like yeah. The, the the financial freedom, yeah. And but like, if you just hand something money, I'm not. I don't think that's necessarily the answer. Everyone stay home. Here's money. You know. Uh, I I I'm just saying outside of that, yeah. Because we're dealing with millions of people now. So every time we. You know, we make these calculations now. You just got to add like 10 more million people by the time you get to the solution because that's how many more people have been brought into the picture. And so these numbers are just inflating so fast that even as we innovate and automate, we're, we're highly populous. So the people's demands are going to ultimately be heard, you know. And so I, I don't know how you're just going to pull out checkbook and pay every single citizen of the Fresno area, let alone all of California. Well, no, no, that's what that's where taxes come in. Okay, taxing people's goods and services that they earn through work, <laughs> or e- I mean, no, 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 taxing businesses that choose to do automation over hiring real people. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting dynamic, you know, because it's like th- definitely you don't want to, um, like curtail technology's innovation patterns, you know, in a way, like you don't want to stop a business from progressing because you increase their tax load and they can't progress. But at the same time, it just means they need to reallocate their funds at the same time. I mean, I can see why uh, de-stimulating the idea of automation makes sense, but it's also almost a bad science in the sense that we can both agree that automation is just like becoming more and more part of our world. Oh no, it is that that's the whole point of like, like, I definitely do want to hear more ideas than just UBIs, just something that, like, high-level thinkers have been talking about. So that's why I talk about it a lot, especially since I know that it's capitalism and all those companies care about is profit, right? So for as long as they can profit, like, that's what that really means when they're saying, oh, yeah, you can't tax us. You're weighing into our profits, right? But if you're Amazon, Amazon just reinvests its profits, like it's like Amazon's weird where it's constantly doing, you know, research and development. But they're also, you know, a big company that plays at the table and wants to change laws and stuff. And, you know, they've done some of that. But I guess I guess that would be a weird transition into them and f- picking their number two and number three headquarters. Right. Well, right. As when they went with the uh, the dual strategy of uh, the Virginia area which is like the dc metro mm-hmm. and the, the the new york one makes 
a lot of sense. I mean, seeing how they've been incorporated into the culture here in Seattle with like being on the South waterfront yeah. and like want it, like I can see how New York's spot cause it's on the Brooklyn side of whatever, you know, uh, body of water that is. Oh uh, yeah. Hudson I forget the Hudson probably. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they're going to buy a big <coughs> plot of land right there. It makes sense that, and it, it kind of in Brooklyn's kind of that area of the country with similar things to what Seattle offers. So mm-hmm. yeah, that one kind of made sense. And then the DC, you know, DC makes a lot of sense too if you're becoming the largest, uh, like, kind of company, one of the largest companies in the country, uh, to have you know clearly a uh, a, c- a close relationship with Congress and the movers and shakers of government if you're going to be one of the biggest players in industry. And then on top of that, him, uh, Jeff Bezos, being a personal owner of Washington Post. Oh, yeah. So he's closer to that um, that market that he operates in. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting move, the dual HQ. Uh, and then I heard, like, there's kind of the quell the fears of the Seattle Amazon investors. They're like, uh, A, the uh, rental prices and land cost in in the D.C. metro area and New York area are basically comparable to Seattle. Mm-hmm. So there's not like this sudden cheap cost of living because they went to Kansas City and uh, and they were not going to have a flight of Seattle Amazon employees. But then uh, in uh, in the secondary part, um, oh, what is it? It's, oh, they're going to invest the same size amount of office space here in Seattle. So we're basically getting HQ2 as well. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So it's basically like HQ two times three and Seattle gets a little double down and then those two other headquarters. Okay. And that's, an, that's interesting. No, yeah. that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Cause I interviewed at Amazon recently and that was a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we've crossed the line from callbacks into the episode. Welcome to 64. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, that's cool. So I was, not going into specifics because you know an interview uh how how was the dynamics of the process like did they do multiple like electronic interviews or um i got recommended by a friend then i did a one hour phone interview um then i did one hour of interview prep um and then i did a four 45 minute interviews with an hour lunch wow okay yeah so that was interesting. Yeah, that's that's pretty for other tech roles I've interviewed for. That seems pretty typical, like phone interview to see if you're all right, interview loop, and then you know they come together, and then they say whether you get the job or not. But definitely, like Amazon's strategy seems to be very fast paced. Uh, they want people to take massive ownership of a lot of the things they do. Um, there's definitely a, a degree of groupthink I can see. Right. I think you have to be down with the culture if you're going to work there, which is, you know, iterate fast, make mistakes, but make sure you learn from those mistakes and make sure that you're constantly trying to um, iterate and innovate on processes, elements, people, the customer and all that to ultimately make a rewarding experience. that will bring them back more and more. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a, a certain environment that you have to be prepared for. Right. And if you are prepared for it, you'll probably shine. If you're not prepared for it, you probably want to go to someplace else that's going to have better work-life uh, situations. Yeah, work-life right. balance. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, and they're a big player here in Seattle, and 
as well as you know Microsoft's just over the bridge on the east side. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then you know Boeing has some crossover because the engineers have become more digitally yeah versed, and so yeah, it's uh it's interesting. And going forward, you know, we're just one city. Yeah. In this in this uh, collection of states, and 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 we just happen to be this northwest city, you know. So we don't have the same issues. Like you, we're we're not really coming through a lot of drought. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe the east side did once over in the eastern Washington in the last 20 years. But, uh, you know, we, we, we don't suffer the, the need for water and and we have plenty of timber. So, you know, we have like reasonable cost building uh, costs, you know, for for lumber and things structurally and all these other things. And then, like, you know, we operate in a state government that also there's Arizona, <laughs> you know, and it's like a whole different biome and landscape and like it's it's interesting looking at our country how we do govern ourselves in this kind of competitive union of very different areas you know Mm -hmm. and we really kind of start to see it when we start to see these elections and things Mm. you know because it's kind of like this representation of these differences you know because it's the representation of where the you know the matters lie you know do they lie with a water issue do they lie with jobs issue is there a pollution issue you mm-hmm. know? what's the recent government done what is the recent government not done has anybody in the public eye been arrested for some type of indecent behavior n- lately no oh, well do you, yeah do, do they want to take it in a different direction because of that like the landscape of our country is so different and vast you know and then we we compete on these competitive terms and then i think that's why we get so visceral about the one thing that we all share which is one president mm-hmm and so it's like it's the one time where it's not split up amongst multiple things. It's one. And and so we get real competitive about who who gets that. And and even if I think to a degree because of our ti- teamsmanship, like the way we kind of watch these like sports franchises like so ridiculously these days, you know, we're fantasying the players, we're we're, you know, watching every game. We're talking about the highlights. We're seeing it on ESPN. Are you saying we need Fantasy Congress? Well, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think we've already done it. I think that's what we've done. I mean, I think we've, like, I think, I think Donald Trump represents the kind of highest meme of that, you know, because he's, like, the most popular guy. Not popular, but, like, reasonably famous person to run for president. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Reagan was in some really bad movies back in, like, the 30s and 40s, and then he ran for president in the 80s. So he wasn't like Donald Trump, who was, like, still on television when mm-hmm. he was, like, assigned. So, like, that kind of, to me, shows this shift in the balance of, like, exposure politics, you know, that the person needs to be exposed to all of these different areas in such a manner that it actually, like, is relevant to them with their individualized these problems, you know, and I think I don't think he speaks to that. I think that's why he, you know, has all this competitive side against him from, you know, the coastal states and the and the populous areas and the media and all these other things because we're competitive for that position again. We're looking for leadership in a different direction, you know. I mean, yeah, he's also I think. I think that's oversimplifying like his impact, but <laughs> it's no. Well, his impact is not great in the sense that he's not really voting for anything or making anything specific. I mean, some of his executive orders have been, you know, ridiculous. But it it is effective 
in the sense that people, we, we're going to have a competitive race in 2020. And we already know who's on the other side of the ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we're kind of scrambling to see what our side of the ticket's going to look like. And um, I'm just saying that it's interesting that they went with popularity, you know, over substance. And now we have to decide how do we how do we adjust our version of the person we want to run to that category level? You know, because we are going to need to sell in Arizona and we're going to need to sell in North Carolina and we're going to need to sell to these places that, you know, I don't know, don't hear the message right now. And we need they need them to check the other side of the ballot. So mm, I don't think you do, actually, well, only because you you have to get the 50 percent of people who didn't vote. You probably only need to get 10 percent of those people to vote. But that's 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 always been a failed strategy. That's always that's not that's not the best way to go about it. If you keep thinking and dreaming that new people are going to be added to the electorate that are going to sway the vote, you're, you're going to lose a lot of elections in the meantime. And so I think what the, the real clarification is that by 2020, you have to have a certain number of electoral college votes, you know, and that's that's the key. And we know where we lost last time. We lost in, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Ohio. Mm-hmm. And and we want to swing those states specifically because that just hands the race to the Dems. Um, but there's, you know, well, actually, we know how to swing those then. Well, exactly. But what do we do to swing them in the momentum now of the Trump world, like on the side of the people that are voting in the in this in this kind of wave of nationalism? What do we do to to curtail that message in into a form that is uh, a, a digestible Democratic candidate? You know, I you <coughs> you run uh, you run a young person or a young-ish person who has the right accolades who will support the same progressive issues that Bernie did back in 2016. Yeah, that's that's an interesting strategy. I mean, they have to have, <clears throat> on the Democratic ticket, to some degree, I feel like they have to have some substance. You know, I think we're, we're more of a substantive uh, voting yeah. block. Yeah, we're looking you, for that. Right, because if you pick Joe Biden, you're going to lose. I I mean, that's... I'm okay with it because, like I said, he'll probably win us Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And then if we can get neighboring blue-collar states, that's not a bad path to the White House, personally. I do like that. I I liked it in 2008. Barack Obama came through. He was awesome. Right. But the millennials won't vote for Joe Biden. I mean, that's it. Or Gen Z won't vote for him either. Right. Well, y- and I mean that's a that's a bold statement to think you speak for two different <laughs> separate generations uh just to dissuade a candidate that I'm <laughs> describing in no. somewhat of a light term. But uh No, no, I'm just saying like I, I don't think you could declare he'll lose. Um and I don't think you necessarily the millennials didn't even vote in this midterm election. They were like a quarter of the of the eligible 18 to 25-year-olds voted. So They're Gen Z. Well, okay. Millennials are us. Okay. Well, the 25, well, the, you know, they're in the high 30s to 40s. But, but yeah, it, it, it's not, there's not a wave of young vote right now. So it's not like a worry if to candidates to just stay on their course and message of previous balances because these new voters just aren't happening. It's, it's not happening. And it hasn't happened in the last election and it didn't happen in this one. So 
I mean, I, I think you need to go with votes on the ground. You got to go with people who are already guaranteeing you a vote. You got to sway those people. You got to get that vote in. You, know, you got to change and sway these states. And then hope, yeah, the message uh, responds with people as they age who might enter into voting blocks suddenly when they realize, you know, they're going to live to 60 and they haven't voted and they're 30. But, um, you know, that that's how that works. I just think, I think. I don't think to dissuade Joe Biden from running. I, I'll support him if he runs. But uh, oh yeah, no, I want to. I want to see them all debate each other. But I want to see a good candidate come out of this race. I want to see um, a real shot. You know, mm-hmm. he's not. I don't. I'm not saying he's the final. You know, check on the box for me. It's just I like. I I think he's running. And then on the Democratic side, you know, I don't even think Beto's said out loud he wants to. But I don't want him to run for president. People though. have ran him, and then. Uh, you know, there's always the celebrity ones they nod out, and so, and then oh yeah, Hillary like with the might, Rock runs. Yeah, the Rock might run, or Oprah, or you know whatever they say. If Oprah runs, or even like Mark Zuckerberg. I know, right? Oh right. wait, oh I did actually hear something serious that uh, Schultz from Starbucks is oh. actually yeah Howard Schultz is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually is like building a team to run, so that's interesting. Okay. I don't I don't want him in the White House either, but yeah, he'll trade he'll trade the White House to Oklahoma City. <laughs> All right. Um but yeah, that I it'll be it'll be an interesting race. Uh you know, who knows what what's what's really going to happen in the next 18 months. Mhm. And leading up to it and then ultimately the the election. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I just hope we can, we can, we can curb the, uh, the political violence and make it mm-hmm. back, you know, back down to, uh, to, to, to somewhat, you know. Not until you curb, like, Trump's extremism, right? Like, know, that's, that's, weird. that's all Trump. That's yeah. all literally people taking what Trump says dead seriously. And then the, the one person who will take it to a point where it goes too far. And that's happening more and more because it's continuous, right? He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop lying, and people believe in his lies, right? It's not like it, it's we can't think about this about this like sunshines and rainbows. No, there's literally a dude in the White House who tells a voting block of people, which actually like, and he's not lunacy. What he's doing is not weird. It's just for his constituency and his constituency only, right? And that's all he cares about. Right. And that's all they care about. And that's kind of where like in when I look at his constituency as a voting block in uh, 2016, that was 24 percent of the vote. Right. Like that wasn't like. Yeah. So I'm like, um, they're they're not the majority of voters in America, but yet they're the squeaky wheel gets the wheel right now. And that wheel is dastardy and nasty and doing a horrible shit because of it because people just fucking believe it they believe in the lies and quite honestly for the life of me for the entirety of the show i've been wondering how the fuck do you push back on trump propaganda right and it's like is there even a way to push back on trump propaganda right like that's that's to me is where the biggest serious issue of his presidency is and i think it gets pushed under the rug quite often uh and but really he like eventually like we're relatively insulated from it but we still live on the outskirts of places where they're probably watching fox news 
and they're probably believing what Fox News is saying, everyone else is saying about them because, you know, they play in a misinformation machine that people take as reality and create behavior because of it. Yeah. Yeah, Fox News, man. And it's here to stay, you know. It's just like Mm -hmm. it's a property that got sold or something not too long ago, and, uh, you know, it's going to keep making money. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But, yeah, what uh, what other... topics were you uh thinking for this week uh let me see well actually i wanted to go back to amazon hq2 because it's on long island is where it's being built okay and that's very interesting because if you look at long island long island goes historically red a lot in the new york area like a kind of a mini callback um back when that one guy who got kicked off of like this video game guy i forget his name but he got kicked off of his podcast. He was I saw him being interviewed by Dave Rubin and he was from Long Island. And okay. right, he was saying like, you know, Long Island has a long history of conservatism. If Amazon comes in, Amazon's about inclusion, diversity, right? Amazon might change quite literally create a liberal bomb in that area to make the entirety of New York blue. They're all they're all gonna become Islander fans. We're just gonna see the right. the new the most diverse hockey fans in the in the world will be New York Islander mm-hmm. fans. I mean like that island will become Seattle light, I bet you. Not like not maybe in like ten years or so, but watch out, the blueification of Long Island is about to begin. Right? Which also makes me wonder about Virginia because like, you have a little bit of Baltimore there, right? You're right near West Virginia. Like, the fact that you're right near West Virginia, that's fucking struggling. All right? And right. If, if you if you say, oh, Amazon, HQ3, like, Virginia. You know what I'm going to put in West Virginia? Um, what is it? Like They're, like, warehouses or whatever. Yeah, logistics. Yeah, right? You put yeah. that there. You'll be like, yo, you want some jobs? Yeah, we got some jobs for you. Or, or fuck that. Like, probably put Blue Origin rocket creation in there. It's Amazon, Amazon's trying to win votes. <laughs> like, like yeah. real talk. The blueification of those states is about to happen because of Amazon being there. That's cool. And that that it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a rough start for sure. But... I definitely think uh, when you look at the blue dog Democrats, uh, the ones definitely who I think Joe Biden would definitely bring back into the fold, the ones that were who like the ones because I always look back at like places in Ohio and Pennsylvania. They won blue, but they won blue for Bernie. And and then when Hillary was to pick, they went red for Trump because they were both like, (coughs) these are the blue collar things that we want here. So. I do think, uh, yeah, yeah. if you want to get those voter block back to work for them, yeah, for sure. Uh, but it would be very interesting to see how, oh, I'm going to call it the blueification. Like, if we come back in five years and the blueification has happened, like, what is it, 2018? Probably so the next big-ish race again would be 2022. Right. So super callback, 2022. Let's see if the blueification of Long Island happened and the blueification of uh, the suburbs of Virginia will happen. Okay. That's hey, that'll be episode 329. <laughs> uh mark your calendars folks. Uh that's when we're recording it. It'll be a Tuesday. <laughs> uh yeah, no it, it it'll definitely have an impact for sure in uh in the jobs landscape of those areas. I mean, Amazon brings 
kind of an efficient assortment of jobs, you know, mm-hmm. high tech as well as uh, typically shipping and kind of warehouse maintenance, all that type stuff. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we will see. Uh, and you know, it's it's a positive thing. It's kind of in a weird way, kind of what I've been saying this whole podcast, which is uh, mm-hmm. like get get all your friends in Portland and you know move to Oklahoma. And if you bring a hundred people to Oklahoma and you find jobs and you live and vote and progress into the society there, you know you can change the voting block of a county. <laughs> you know, like uh, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 literally uh, the blue wave needs to also be uh, a little bit of an undertow and come back, you know, over the areas that it skipped uh, and and try and uh, you know. Oh yeah. We gotta live. We gotta live in these places and and thrive and bring these ideas to light and then these companies have to be kind of the stewards of that uh bearing the early risk and the advantage of uh of having the jobs there when you get there yeah i definitely want to give a shout out to entrepreneurs i think entrepreneurs should definitely be the ones doing it because if you're i mean i get it if you're being an entrepreneur and you need to do like some big tech things or you want to be in the movie industry you want to be in fashion like you got to be in those big coastal hubs i understand that but if you can think of a business practice where you can work remotely, like whoever you need to talk to, you do it over Skype. Um, if you need fiber access, you can go to Kansas. They have Google Fiber out there. Um, even if you don't, you can probably find some cities out there that allow you to do that. But if you can do your job remotely, your cost of living will be hella low. Hella low. Like, for real, go to a rural state. And live there if you're trying to be an entrepreneur because, you know, you'll save the most money. And if you make it big, then uh, move back to a coastal state. Even if you don't want to do it that big, move to Dallas-Fort Worth, right? Move to El Paso. Um, I would probably move adjacent to Tennessee or, sorry, uh, Nashville in Tennessee or trying to think. Yeah. So there's a bunch of places you can move. But, yeah, I agree with that plan. And you can make it work if you have that entrepreneurial spirit and – Real talk, like, incorporations and LLCs in those areas with the state are super cheap and super cheap to maintain. It's the whole reason why you see collection companies be based out of there, hella, like, a lot. And with that, <coughs> I want to take a moment to do a digression interruption. Woo-woo! And we're going to oh, start. Oh, I like the name of that, digression interruption. Facilities located in the studio. <laughs> We've got a real barn burner on our hands. In the lead, we have Kathy Lee Gifford, a first-time player. Hey, you, you pluck all in a player, G. G, what's that mean, Grandpa? <laughs> Is that what G stands for? Frank, you got a new nickname. It's G. And you have negative $22,400. In second place, with negative $46,700, is Tom Hanks. <laughs> What are we watching? What we're listening to is a sketch from the Saturday Night Live program called Celebrity Jeopardy. And Uh, it is my favorite of all of the sketches. That's right. Our interruption today is about America's late night stalwart, Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. And it's favorite sketches and or players if you don't remember specific. And if you want to extend it to musical guests, that's fine. Eh. But uh, sketches, I got to admit, the Celebrity Jeopardy with Will Ferrell. Uh, and often having uh, a the candidate or 
this guy playing uh, James Bond level Sean Connery. Oh, $69. Yes. Oh, brother, Sean Connery. <laughs> Negative $69. Okay, that wasn't your score. Well, 69 is how I scored with your mother last night. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so the banter between the Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek and uh, Sean Connery, I forget who plays him, but uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's one of the better sketches. You may remember Will Ferrell from my second favorite sketch, of course, which is more cowbell. Oh, yes. Don't. So doing the imitation <coughs> of Blue Oyster Cole, which has my favorite uh, <coughs> non-featured actor uh, only host as Christopher Walken mm. is in that episode as the uh, the producer. Oh yeah, I make gold records. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what what are some of your favorite or do you remember any uh, Saturday Night Live sketches? I mean, so the, the multiple sketches they did back when, uh, oh, gosh, can't remember his name. He's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine now. Oh, right. Uh, I know who you're talking about. But The Lonely Island, like every single song they brought out, it just had me cracking up from I'm on a boat to I just had sex. Oh, Andy Sandberg. Andy Sandberg. And also when Andy Sandberg was, okay, I guess technically – He's a musical guest, but fuck it. They did songs, and they were hilarious. Uh, when he and Justin Timberlake uh, did, like, Mother Lover and Dick in a Box. Right. Like, those, those shits were hilarious. Yeah, where they took over the and made the NBC shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that was where, those were directly Lonely Island. Oh. So those were Lonely Island side productions that Broadway Video paid for. Oh, okay. And that's why there was one. It was in their contract. They made one a week, and that's why every week there was an, an SNL short. Oh, man. That's yeah. legit. And the first one that started was A Lazy Sunday oh. with uh, him and uh, Parnell. I forget his first name. Uh, who, where they did the Lazy Sunday, and they're all talking about spending Hamiltons. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. Uh, yeah, SNL, it's one of the longer-running programs, started in 1975. Yeah. We're now in 2018, so you do the math. I think it's around 43 years. Mm hmm So uh, always having at least one guest who hosts, and then uh, multiple players, oftentimes cameos. On top of that, a musical guest. So the format is, like, kind of the winning format. I mean, it all makes sense. You know, like, last week we had Lil Wayne as the musical guest. Mm -hmm. So I ended up watching the entire episode just because I wanted to see the Lil Wayne sets. Oh, wow. And, you know, the rest of the sketches were fun. But, you know, in that particular instance, I was uh, trying to see Wheezy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a fan. You know what? Carter I don't 5, Carter 5. I can't say that I've actually sat down and watched the musical guests. I quite literally skip over. It's like, okay, no, I want to see his sketches. Yeah, with Lil Wayne, you got to check it. And mm. you got to watch the Kanye one just because it's so awkward with him <laughs> dressed as, like, a sparkling water bottle or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, those are a couple of mine. What Do you remember any others outs um, outside the Justin Timberlake Lonely Island? Oh, man. Because those were solid. I'll give you that. Those were – dude, actually, Justin Timberlake episodes in general. They are, yes. Had, <laughs> I like because he had the other side where he was doing um, – 
he he was selling items outside of a store. Yes. And, yeah, and he, and like the boom box or something. Come on down to Hot Dog Town. Like whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then he had like the dance off with the signs. <laughs> yeah. Like those. Th- that was solid. That was a good. That was a good bit. Um, yeah, man. And they've had. I mean, they've had basically everybody host the show. H- Tom Hanks in that clip obviously was a. He's like a, at least a five, maybe six time host. Oh yeah, that. I do like Black Jeopardy at times, uh, especially the one with uh, Tom Hanks where he, like, I don't I don't know exactly how I feel about it now, but in the moment when he was wearing the Make America Great Again uh, hat, right, and it was, fi- it was supposed to show that, like, you know, there's some, like, there, there's some realities of being a, a poor white person and being a black person in America, and he's all like, yeah. Because uh, Black Jeopardy, like, I have to hand in my black card sometimes answering it because it's like, is, do you answer it as a question? No, you answer it like an insinuation. Like, it's it's weird. I love it. And, but it was, if you can maybe bring it up or something. Which, which is, a, it's a Keenan sketch. Yeah. Keenan Thompson it, wrote that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Is Black Jeopardy. Oh, yeah. yeah. What up? What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Black Jeopardy, the only TV game show where the audience is in church clothes. (laughs) I'm your host, Darnell Hayes. Our contestants are Keely. Hi. Shanice. Okay, now. And Doug. (laughs) How are you doing, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Doug, you sure you're ready to play Black Jeopardy? They told me a fella can win some money, so let's win me some money. Get her done. Well, I admire your confidence. Let's see our categories. We got big girls. Mm, I don't know. You better. I'm gonna pray on this. They out here saying, and as always, white people. Okay, Keely, you're our returning champ. You pick. Okay, let's do you better for 200. Okay, the answer there, you need hot sauce, duck sauce, soy sauce, and safety pins. Keely. What is, you better take your ass to the kitchen and look in the packet drawer. Yeah, yeah, the packet drawer, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. Well, so there's that sketch as well, both Jeopardy-based tops. But yeah, no, Black Jeopardy's hilarious, man, and uh, Keenan... You know, longest-running player in Saturday Night Live. Yeah, history. I didn't realize he was on there for so long. I remember when he first started. Right, he had left Keenan and Kel for like two or three years, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, just popped up on SNL, and he's been there ever since. I was like, damn. I know. And remember those shows? See, there. See, taking it outside of the SNL box, the whole idea of the sketch show. Yeah. You know, because uh, Nickelodeon ran those too. They had all that. Yeah, and they got a, a few spinoff shows from it too. Yeah, the Amanda Bynes show, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then the one he was on, Keenan and Kel. Yep. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, back on Comedy Central, you had uh, Kids in the Hall. Yeah. For a minute, which was an out there sketch show, kind of based on those Canadians. Kind of given that point of view. And then on Fox, because Fox in the 90s was weirdly progressive, uh, they had, uh, well, what was it? In Living Color. Yeah. Yeah. That 
In living color. Yes. People are going to be like, his ass was not thinking about in living color. And House of Buggin'. I I was not thinking about in living color. I was thinking about Mad TV. And (laughs) Mad TV. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah they had both yeah both were sketch shows so right both, yeah yeah no mad tv was a fucking hilarious like oh my god i i need to watch that again maybe it's on netflix what's your favorite mad tv sketch oh shit uh there was like the, the old asian grand lady uh that i think couldn't see i forget oh like, yeah that one's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I think that's a Bobby Lee joint. Yeah. Maybe. And then I think uh, Stewart. Right? Oh, Stewart's a classic. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember any specifics because it's been a long-ass time since I watched it. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think even, like, uh, Ben Stiller had a sketch show for a season. Oh, shit. Yeah, there's the Ben Stiller show that's out there with him and, like, Andy Dick and, like... Oh, damn. Okay. Uh, Garoppolo and... Yeah, it's an interesting cast. But, uh, but yeah, the art of the sketch. Uh, still alive today, you know, improv groups and different sketch groups exist. Yeah. They always have corny, punny names. And you can probably go see them on a college campus near you for less than $5. Yeah. You know, give them a chance, you know? It's a, it's a good date idea. Why not? You know, go watch people try. Right, and if you really want to impress them, like sometimes they ask for, well, usually their general seating, and so sit up front, and then when they ask for a volunteer, be like, "Oh me, oh me, I have oh all me, the oh ideas, me, oh me, oh me." Yep. Right, and, and, and then, then be up there and like do your thing. It's cool. And uh, yeah, well, is there any uh, any ways you want to leave our listeners with uh, things they can do um, to uh, s- support their their l- Local ambitions and enthusiasm towards things. Um, I would say uh, don't sleep on 2019. 2019 are probably your super local elections, probably your city and county elections. So definitely look into that. Uh, definitely here at How You Live, and we'll be looking into what will happen to our city council because we had our at larges during the mayor's mayoral race last year, but 2019, all the citywide ones. Uh, are going to go up so we'll see who'll stay who'll go what repudiations will happen what will a lot of people moving into the city mean for our city politics at that point like yeah so i'm actually pretty excited to see what's going to happen with our city politics in 2019 it'll be interesting and uh and with that rolling in up to the the whole election cycle of 2020 so yeah it's all happening quickly guys you've seen how the calendar rolls it goes by fast. It does indeed. Uh, with that, my shout-outs this week, uh, I got to say, keep an eye out for that Ron Funches special that uh, Chaz and I attended oh, the taping. Yeah. It should be out between now and February on oh, Comedy shit. Central. Uh, shout-out to Ian Carmel for being an actual guest on The Late Late Show. He did his stand-up just last week, and he's from the All Fantasy Everything podcast that I always promote on this show. Listen to those guys, because they're my friends. Also, one of them, Mr. David Borey, is going to be here in Seattle on December 1st. Oh, nice. I'm not going to tell you where, because it's, bi- it's not that big of a venue, and I want to go. So <laughs> I'll be at that one. But he's also playing the Siren Theater uh-huh. in Portland, Oregon the next day, December 2nd. Go check out David Borey. Uh, it's spelled G-B-O-R-I-E. The G is silent, mm. w- which is his Twitter handle. The G is silent. <laughs> so uh, go go check out those All Fantasy Everything 
they're friends of mine. Also, my buddy uh, Henry uh, Stoddard is the guy that throws the uh, the show down there in the Siren Theater as part of the Old Town Comedy. And then up here, he does the Grand Central Theater uh, show as part of uh, that show. So uh, shout out to those guys and their efforts in comedy. Uh, and as always, you can get a hold of me at C-Town Mayor. That's S-E-A-T-O-W-N-M-A-Y-O-R. I want to be your elected official by the coast. <laughs> and <laughs> H-Y-L-B-O-X at gmail.com uh, to hit us up in the gmails. Uh, give us your ideas. Uh, you know, Tell us how you voted. Uh, how did your local area go? What can we talk about? What guests can we get on here? And, uh, yeah, nice things. Tweet us nice things. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just want y'all thinking about your political platforms and probably what you can start doing locally. Because uh, I just listened to episode one of season three of Serial. And, you know, criminal justice really does need reforming. Like, episode one was, like, a best-case scenario. And that girl's life still got fucked up. Like, okay. Yeah. The ser- I listened to the, no. whole, the whole season. Serial 3 is based on Justice Departments, mostly out of Cleveland and East Cleveland, Ohio. And it's an eye-opener. And don't think it's just a Cleveland problem because these justice centers are fucked up all across the country. Yeah. And these are processes that we really do need to look at if we're just railroading people into the criminal behavior and patterns and, and cycles because of efficiencies that are already lacking we need to fix the efficiencies and fix these justice centers so uh hopefully we'll start to see those ballot measures and reform in those areas uh and and you know we'll see some change yeah for sure so definitely um if you if that's if you want that to be your primary uh political platform i definitely suggest sean king and his uh justice pack uh, they have been trying to do things with the attorney, the district attorney races where those can be elected and adding money there and getting candidates together. But I'm sure since they have that basis, they'll expand into other things, you know, the way judges works and all those other stuff. So definitely would look into that. Um, also want to talk about um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, Green New Deal. I don't know a lot about it. I just want that in your ears. I'm going to do some research on it this week. Uh, she's coming out of the gate even before she's even a Congress member to start, you know, thinking about the environment and, and everything like that and making a hard political legislative stance in helping the environment where so much we've been quote unquote deregulating things, which just means we want to be able to pollute as much as we want without repudiation. Please, 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 please. Right. I, I do understand what it means to jobs and all that, but you know, we, we can't keep kicking man bear pig down the road like you know man bear pig is real and and you know yeah those episodes are getting pretty good <laughs> south park gotta check it out he's super serial uh, once again how you live in podcast thanks to anybody else listening uh hopefully you're inspired to do things in your local area and get your vote out uh chaz as always this has been a grand adventure indeed take care of yourselves and each other you too and uh we're out peace that's my sauce where you find it that's my sauce you look it up look it up find it adding up checks no minus get your respect in diamonds i bought a plane jane roller then nigga bought they fame i think my back got scoliosis cause i swore the lane Heard you signed your life for that brand new chance.